0: Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and did something you really wanted to do, whether it was with friends and family, eating a lot of food, or taking a hike with the family. Today, I'm thinking about all of you who have supported me throughout, oh my goodness, over seven years. I am truly grateful for you. I mean, man, oh man, some ups and downs, but we've had a good time, an amazing, amazing guest. How can I not have gratitude for the people that come on the show and the people that support me? And by the way, I purposely waited to have this next guest right after Thanksgiving. Woo-hoo, action-packed, so sincere, so many great tips. You're freaking going to love this guy. I mean, there's so many people out there who are talking about optimal health and well-being and happiness and love, but man, oh man, this guy, he's the real deal. I mean, I want to coach with him. He's that freaking awesome. He's incredible. So have fun, listen to them. We know how much it means to us when you share it, rate it, and like it. It really does matter. And also a special thanks to those who've been sending me the most amazing clients, individual and corporate. Ooh, I don't know. I keep thinking, should they pay me? No, they should, but (laughs) I'm learning so much from them. I'm having so much fun with them. So I'm truly grateful for you sending them my way and I'm excited for some workshops coming up, but we'll wait till next time. For now, enjoy. Toodles.
1: This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life. And as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit.
0: Okay. I know. I know my let's keep it real people. I've been pumping this guy up, but I am so excited about his journey and all that he is going to tell you. I was up all night last night. I'm not kidding you. He does not know this. And Mark, I'm telling him for the first time, just researching what he's done, researching what other people were talking about. And you're saying, Sandy, what is Mark talking about? Well, let me tell you about him. Mark sold his multimillion dollar company in 2010 and began a new journey. He was diagnosed, this is the big thing, with a bipolar one disorder and was told there was no cure. I know this all too well. A few years later, he was, what? restored to full health! Woo! He wanted to share the tools he used to overcome his mental illness with others. So he began coaching, thank God, writing and speaking. He will be publishing a book, we'll find out if it's out, Prisoner of War. Oh, he did! It was published in August to help others in similar situations as him. Mark, how are you? Thanks so much for being on.
1: Oh, doing great. It's so good to be with you. I love your podcast. (laughs) It just fun. fits me, doesn't it? It just fits me. It does. You get you got a lot of personality to share. I love it.
0: <laughs> okay, Mark. So this is a subject that's so near and dear to my heart, and I love what you're putting out in the world, but before we get all into the cure for bipolar, even one, which is, you know, saying a lot, if I was going to give you one word to best describe your past 30 days, what would it be?
1: Joy. Not just because it's not just because it's your middle name. <laughs>
0: to be like wait a minute. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, but it is. It's joy.
0: Tell us more. Tell us why.
1: I enjoy my life. I have a uh wonderful wife and five children and I get to wake up and I'm free. I'm <laughs> free. alive. I get to do what I do and it's fun.
0: Okay. So, can we back up on the five kids cuz I have five cats and a dog. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know what responsibility is then.
0: <laughs> Just make sure you feed him and change the litter. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, five, I need I need to know more because I think that sounds like a lot of fun to me. In my next life, I would love to have a basketball team. What are the ages?
1: Uh, the oldest is 23. And then we got 23, 21, 19, 16, and 12. Oh. Four boys and then- uh, I think the happiest day of my wife's life was when she found out that the the fifth child was a girl. Not that she didn't love our boys, but-
0: I, I get it.
1: There was a desire for sure to have a girl.
0: Okay. I know you're not married to my girlfriend, but my girlfriend's the same way. She had four boys and she looked at her husband. She's like, we just got to give it one more shot. <laughs> And they had a fifth, and it's a girl.
1: Oh, good for her.
0: And they're around the same ages, so it's really creeping me out. Like, <laughs> but they live different names and in California. So have you always known you'd want a big family?
1: Well, I grew up with five in my family. I have four sisters and then me. And, oh. my, wi- and my wife had five in her. She's the youngest of five. So uh, it was kind of when we first were dating and thinking we were going to move toward marriage, we did talk about like, hey, what does that look like for us for kids? And mm. I think the number was more like three. But once you have three, <laughs> <laughs> does it matter? Fourth one's not that much more work. And yeah. once you have four boys, well, just like your girlfriend. It's like, yeah, maybe one more.
0: Yeah. By the way, it is similar to cats. I just want you to know, <laughs> does not make us crazy cat people because we already have three? What the heck? We'll adopt two more. So I know it's not the same thing, but I get it. And I love it. So do you celebrate holidays really big?
1: Not last year, but normally yeah. we do. Yeah. Because I have, let's see, my mom's family, they have eight in her family. Lots of, you know, Uncles and aunts and cousins, and you know, yeah. and my sisters, most of them have children. And so there's big get togethers.
0: Freaking love it. I know it must have killed you when you couldn't get all together. Must have killed you.
1: No. Nope. <laughs> once, in a, once in a while, Sandy, you once a in a break. while, it's a, not that we would have planned it, but it, it
0: was all right. Yeah, it was okay. All right. Let's dive into it. I have a lot of questions for you. I asked my listeners before you came on and I, we're not going to get to them all, but we'll get to as many as we can. But the biggest question I got, well, there was two, but the first one is, why did you leave your company?
1: I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question before. <laughs> Why did I leave? So uh, <laughs> I don't know. So, so I'm going to give you the true story. Ooh, thank you.
0: Let's keep it real.
1: Yeah. So in 2006, uh, which was four years before selling the company, right? I was in my beautiful office that was over on the ninth floor, overlooking an arboretum, and it was fall, and I heard. This inner voice talked to me, and probably the first time in that way. It's kind of strange. I know some of your listeners might be, okay, who is this guy? Yeah, they're
0: used to me. Go for it. You can go all in.
1: And the message was, you know, Mark, uh, sell the company, and you need to sell the business and move on and become. Now, I know this was a metaphor, or at least I I think it was a metaphor, but to become a priest, that was the message. I'm like, (laughs) and I grew up Catholic, and so it's like, wait a minute. So there's a couple of problems here. First off, I'm married with kids and you can't do that. <laughs> but. Preacher.
0: Preacher. You can become a preacher.
1: A preacher, yeah. And I had a busy day. And I'm like, look. So I just said, hey, God, if that's going to happen, you're going to have to show me the way because I have no idea how to make any of that happen. Yeah. Within about a month or so, I met a gentleman who we would eventually hire and he came on and, and helped us really solidify the business and get it to a place where it was very valuable. And I ended up selling the company. The day that I knew was a surprise to me, honestly, because fast forward from '06 to 2010, we had grown from 11 million to 20 million in sales at that point. And I was uh, in Naples with my family for Thanksgiving at an auction, we purchased this little condo thing. After Thanksgiving dinner, I sit down on the couch and I just lean back and take a breath. And I hear that voice again. And the voice says, go and tell your partner that you want to buy him out. <laughs> and I'm like. I'm like, well, this is a twist of fate. Okay. So I'm going to go tell him I'm going to buy him out. I'm like, okay. And I was just trusting. I was just yeah, surrendered yeah. and trusting. Yeah, so I go yeah. back on that to Wednesday, the next Wednesday, like, Hey, thinking about it. I want to buy you out. And he refused. He said, no. I said, well, why not? He said, because I think you'll destroy the company. <laughs> 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 and I said, okay. Well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, and he said, well, how would I buy you out? And I, I felt internally. Every cell sort of leap for joy.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: I hadn't expected it. I said, well, what would that look like? And he said, well, how about we do it this way? And I'm like, okay. You know, I thought about it overnight, but eventually, oh yeah, uh, we agreed. By the end of the week, all the paperwork was done and I had sold my interest to him.
0: Okay. So I need to know what your wife was saying during the whole time. Go,
1: Mark, go. Well, I went home and told her and she said, whatever you want to do. You know, it's your it's your company.
0: Okay. So here we are. Now you must have had another conversation with God, said it was a little different, but now what?
1: Well, (laughs) after selling, you mean?
0: Yeah, after selling.
1: So an interesting story about the sale is about 14 months earlier, we had done a visioning exercise and on the board, I wrote down, "Hey, I'd like to sell within 12 to 18 months for this amount of money and be asked to stay for 6 months, etc." All that happened. It was the exact amount of money, the exact time frame I was asked to stay, everything is just it was just like meant to be. Yeah, yeah. So, after selling, I had an identity crisis that I didn't know I was having. And what that was looking like for me is I had a lot of ego wrapped up in being an entrepreneur, running a company. We had 150 people, 20 million in sales, and we were doing pretty well. And and people knew me as that guy. And so I had zero plan of what to do after. So I kind of meandered a little bit when I traveled. I went to Israel. We, Our family took a bunch of vacations. Um, and then because of that identity crisis, I felt so empty. I wanted to be involved. So people, when you have money, start to say, hey, I need some money. And especially in the entrepreneurial circles, I had a few people ask if I would invest in their businesses. And I did. And I ended yeah. up lo- losing about a million dollars in a very short period of time. Mm. And so that taught me that I needed to learn how to manage money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've given up so quickly.
1: (laughs) Which I've since done a much better job. Yeah. So that happened. And about uh, nine months after selling, I ended up in the psych ward. But prior to the psych ward, there was a week where my reality just completely changed. Mm. I I started hearing voices. I started, you know, hallucinating, having messages sent from, quote unquote, the other side. I was shown a vision. I was at the throne of God. A wall moved. You know, Mary, Jesus's mother's talking to me. I'm I'm just like in la-la land. Yeah. And loving it.
0: And loving it. Wait a minute. And did you just say loving it?
1: And loving it. Okay. I was loving it. I I was craving my whole life a spiritual connection that there is was, there was this sense that there's something more. There's something yeah. that is real about me that's not the false presentation that I felt that I had to put on in order to be liked. Because uh, mm. that was a big deal. And yeah, a, co- a core of the mental illness was that need to be liked by other people.
0: Okay. So... There's a lot to unpack there, Mark, but my biggest question is, up to this point, when you said you had this identity crisis and end up in the psych ward, had you ever had any other signs of mental health issues? Zero. Zero.
1: Well, I, well, one, one time I would say I was talking to who I thought was, a I think, a potential client or something, and she must have been psychic or something, and she said that- I was really nervous. And I, s- I said, nervous? I'm not nervous. And she said, yeah, you're like a duck. You know, you look really calm on the surface. And underneath, you're paddling away, paddling away, paddling away. Wow. And wow. she was right. Yeah. But I wouldn't have associated that with any kind of mental illness. It was something that I didn't even know was happening. But she, yeah. points, she just laser focused like, this is what's going on. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I didn't do anything about it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. At the time, you know, you had a lot going on. So- What took you to the mental institution or the, what did you call it? The mental clinic?
1: Well, I I think I I call it the, yeah, it's (laughs) the official name I think is a behavioral health facility.
0: I like, I like that name.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what they call it. I call it the psych ward. Okay. So what took me there?
0: Yeah. Like, did you take yourself there or did family go, okay, enough is enough?
1: It was, uh, so it was late on a Saturday night, about two, three in the morning. My wife had, you know, maybe four, my wife had come down a few times to try to get me out of the downstairs bathroom. I'd been in there kind of doing yoga stuff and, which I'm not a yoga guy, but I was doing some pretty strange things. (laughs) And uh, at one point I was growling like a lion to try to get what I perceived to be some kind of chip out of my throat, you know, that I thought you know, was some kind of paranoia sort of deal. And I heard my wife on the phone calling the paramedics or the police. Yeah, yeah. And they they showed up and they ended up dragging me out of the house, literally.
0: Yeah, literally, yeah. Oh, boy, that must have been so tough. I mean, when they were doing that, were you fighting them and so much against, like, what the heck is wrong with you at the time?
1: No, I wanted more time. So I was processing through this idea that there was going to be some kind of mystical event that I'd be waking up, if you will. And that concept is a concept that we've all heard before. You know, People are awake, or if you will. Yeah. And I had this idea that I was going to wake up. And when I woke up, that everything would be so peaceful and calm, Mm. and all my worries would go away. And I'd just be kind of in this blissful place. And I wanted to stay to finish. And I even told them, like, hey, just, I'm almost finished. Just let me finish. <laughs> <God>. And <laughs> they, as they were putting their rubber gloves on. <laughs> yeah. What was and, done here? Which I, which I kind of, I mean, I cognitively knew, like, okay, mm. when he's putting the rubber gloves on, I'm like, okay, this is over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so as they grabbed my arms and pulled me out toward the garage, I, I wanted to fight, but there was that same kind of voice in my head. It's like, just, surrendered let go yeah. it's fine yeah and I just let my body go limp and that's when they dragged me down the rest of the driveway
0: oh boy so while you were in there were you thinking once you were there okay this is where I need to be and they can help me
1: no no <laughs> I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I thought
0: that's where we we're going but I didn't want to put words in your mouth <laughs> no.
1: no it was I accepted quickly more quickly it's not a word Quicker, more quickly than I thought <laughs> that <laughs> I was there. Like, okay, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And I think it took me a day just to get out of my room and then walk the hallway. And then there was this group of people sitting and they like, hey, okay, Mark, come over. I'm like, yeah, not really right now. But eventually I did. And they it's a circle of people with a, a counselor. And we were just sharing our stories, what's going on. And I was listening to these stories and my perception, of course, of a mental hospital, never knowing anyone who had any mental health issue uh, that affected me. I knew people had them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: In fact, had a few employees of ours that struggled with some stuff, but I didn't have compassion or understanding. I was more of the mindset that, like, what's the big deal? Like, why, yeah, why are yeah, you like yeah. this? And as I listened to their stories, something melted in my heart. It's like, wait a minute. These are normal people. So what's going on? So I shared my story and enjoyed sharing the story. And for the longest time, I mean, it was only there a week, but for the longest time, I really held on to an idea that I was there to help them.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I was helping them. We help each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You help each other. So a week is not long. A week is not long at all. You were able to, to get out quickly.
1: Uh, maybe it was a little longer. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it a week 10 days. All somewhere right. there. So
0: who diagnosed you though with bipolar one disorder? They did or other doctors in the future?
1: No, doc. So they so while in there, everyone's assigned a psychiatrist. So I had a psychiatrist that they do a test. They ask a bunch of questions, and then they they didn't tell me with the results of the test. They just you know yeah left me in the dark there. But then um, my neighbor actually across the street had coached with the top doc at that hospital or at that facility, a psychiatrist. And oh. so my neighbor's like, hey, you know. Wanted to talk to him? And, and this guy had stopped taking on new patients, but he ended up being my psychiatrist. I, I, I chose him. He came in and met me. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have you than this other guy. Yeah. And uh, he seemed to have some sort of interest. You know, he's like, I've never seen, it. not never. He said, this is one of the more unusual cases I've ever seen.
0: And unusual because why?
1: Well, a couple of things. One, um, the success I'd had. You know, they they don't see a whole lot of people having the kind of delusions I had after that level of success. Although apparently a number of people who have been entrepreneurs and left do have some Mm -hmm. kind of identity crisis. The level of immersion in the experience of the spiritual part, Mm. you know, he found that to be fascinating, uh, though that's common with bipolar as well.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And the other part was that I remembered everything. A lot of people who have bipolar manic experiences, they don't remember. Yeah. I remember it at all. They're like, was, "What are
0: you talking about? I didn't do that."
1: Right. I and, and I was caught in like the and people who don't have an experience with a mental health break like that, a psychotic break, they they have a perception. So, for example, when the paramedics were in my hallway, five or six of them lined up in that little hallway uh, waiting for me to give up. I was talking as if I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, which is the garden where Jesus yeah. was taken by the Roman soldiers and stuff. And so one of the guys rolled his eyes like, oh, okay, we're in the garden of Gethsemane and he's, and he's putting on his gloves. And I said, no, I know we're not in the garden. I know I'm in my bathroom and you guys are in my hallway, but there's, there's like, I was seen in a different dimension. Yeah. yeah. And there was an element of, of, Whatever I was sharing that this particular psychiatrist thought, hey, this is kind of interesting. It was interesting enough. It wasn't the same old thing. It was interesting enough to let him take on a new patient, I guess.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Tell me about it.
0: I mean, unbelievable. So here he is finding you like really like a science project. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my, I've I've never experienced this and I can learn a lot from him. But what I want to know, is he the one that told you there was no cure?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the same same guy at same the end of the at the end of the yeah. week. You know that story. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to share it? Yes, I do. So at the end of the week, I get this visit from him. He sits at the side of the bed and tells me, you know, look, you're diagnosed bipolar one. And I said, Okay, what's that? And he said, Well, he explained it. I said, Well okay, well, how do I get better? He's like, Well, there's there's really not getting better from this <laughs> And which which right away I'm like, What? Well, yeah. he's yeah. like, well, I said, what's going to happen? He's like, well, I'm going to give you some medication. I said, well, how long do I have to take that? He said, well, pretty much the rest of your life. And I'm blown away. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. You're saying that this thing isn't going to go away. It's not going to heal. There's nothing I can do. And he said, look, the most we know about the brain is from the 1990s. And even that isn't that much. He said, so we we don't know what we don't know. You know. Yeah. So yeah. we'll manage the meds. And if this one doesn't work, we'll yeah. move to another yeah. one.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was it. And he explained. By the way, um, this is a common explanation apparently in that world. He said, uh, "You know, there's software issues, you know, that people can have, and there's hardware." He said, "You have a hardware issue." He said, "It's almost like your motherboard, using a computer analogy, is yeah. broken, and the and the medications like the glue that keeps the motherboard functioning well." Yeah. You know, bullshit is what I said in my head.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But like crap.
0: Did he give you any explanation? of why there was no cure for something that you didn't have before and now are just experiencing? Because that doesn't even make logical sense to me.
1: Well, keep in mind, psychiatrists go to school to learn how to dispense five categories of medication. And if those five categories don't work, Mm -hmm. then they have ECT. And I'm oversimplifying, but that's a lot of the education that they get in school. So they're not taught how to heal people. Yeah, That's not what they're trained to do. And so they don't all have a concept yeah. Yeah. that someone can heal. Yeah. And he did and he didn't and probably doesn't.
0: I'm going to tell you just a little story because I think it's relative to what we're talking about, okay. but I grew up with a mom that who knows major mental health issues and they never really diagnosed her, but very poor community where we grew up in the project. So she was put in mental institutions that they just drugged the people. I mean, that's what they did. Yeah. And I always believed I had a purpose and that there was divine intervention for me to do more with my life, even though they're like, listen, this is probably going to be your journey. I mean, this is genetic stuff going on. I used to always say the mark. And I was a kid. I'd be like, are you sure? Are you really sure? Because something just doesn't make sense to me. So when my brother and i would go to these mental institutions i mean these poor people were just so drugged and, and they were doing shock treatments and everything just to keep them quiet i would go in with my tap shoes <laughs> and i don't know i hopefully i didn't kill anybody but they would be sitting around waiting for their medicines and then we'd be on the little chairs i mean these people were in for months mark you know what i mean and they would have their little oh, yeah. medicines tied to their chairs and. My brother would look out, and I would freaking cut the medicine off their chairs and say, you don't need that. Just watch me dance. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you joy. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And something... I mean, and I would do that every time. My brother would be more upset than me. He was older my brother, but it would bother him. I'm like, no, no, no. Mom's gonna make you moccasins. You love your moccasins. <laughs> and she won't be home screaming and yelling, so look at it that, and I'll get to entertain with my little boot. And then they'd shut me down eventually. But always, my entire life, it just didn't make sense. Like, does it have to be your path? Like, I know there's some severe mental health issues I don't understand. They don't understand. I've researched it. There's so many doctors who don't agree with one another. Like you said, they just really don't know. But I'd be like, are you sure that you have to just have that and that's it? And then all these years later, I've always used fitness as my vehicle to spread joy. And I'm not a therapist and I'm not, you know, a psychiatrist, but I always have taken entry level, I call it A people to say are you sure that has to be your path i mm-hmm. mean are you sure that is genetically that's it or that you had something in your life happen and now there is no way and you're just managing it with drugs so when i saw your story i said thank you god because i've never had anyone that slightly agrees with me on my podcast, and i've been doing podcasts for seven years
1: well and and to to, to add to that i'm healthy you know, I've been off all medications for, since I think it was I don't know end of fourteen or fifteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah. So it's been a while, and continue to be healthy. And it's one of the things that drives my passion. It's like, hey, people need to know that you can get well. And yeah. just because someone tells you that you can't it doesn't mean you have to believe them. And you ask the great question, like, are you sure? Like, uh, yeah. you know, can, like, how do you know? And yeah. they don't. And that's the thing. They know what they know, but in this area, there's a lot of people practicing real medicine and they don't believe that people can get well. They just don't.
0: I know. So if you go into your doctor, right? And they say there's no cure, imagine the impact. Find another ha- doctor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's right.
0: Imagine the impact, though, most people have. Okay. I mean on anything. There is no cure. Unless you're a really, really powerful, strong person or connected to some divine source, it's hard to bug that system, don't you think?
1: Everyone that I know who's ever healed truly from any kind of mental health disorder has some spiritual connection and is is going to always find that that's where they're gonna get the biggest healing. Now, some people say that they're you know, quote unquote healthy. And they're on four medications. It's like, okay, well, that's okay if that's their role, yeah, to take four medications and call that healthy. But that's not health to me. Yeah, what I'm talking about is someone truly healthy, someone who's transcended the trauma or the, you know, the the voices in their head, the cycling, the depression, whatever it is that they've really moved out of it. Yeah, there's always what I call a spiritual component. Now they might name it something else, but there's a spiritual divide that starts a um, person on the path that's going to lead to these kinds of situations. My, I'm not a doctor, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that. You're, okay. you're going from personal experience. So let's go down that path. You're sitting there. The doctor says there's no cure. You get out, and now what?
1: Well, have you seen um, the Russell Crowe movie, A Beautiful Mind? Yes. All right. So and for any listener who hasn't seen it, there's a scene in there Uh, which you'll get Sandy where he's at the kitchen table and he's playing with like a kid's toy and uh, his wife's doing the dishes and he's just so out of touch because he's now medicated and he's no longer hallucinating, et cetera. And he's bored. And he says, what do people do? And she Response like this. This is life. This is it. You know, and there's such a there's such a moment of disappointment. Like, wait, you know, where are the spies and the and the code breakers and all the thing that he was yeah. dealing with? That is the best illustration. There's a level of fear that it'll happen again. A desire, a desire for it to happen, but not the way it did. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to go back. My wife knew that because I felt something was incomplete. There was something happening that was good, even though I didn't understand it and may not have looked all that good. There was something that I was wanting. And my wife started to, at that moment um, treat me like a kid. I was like a, a sixth child in the house. you know, she made sure I took my medication and got up in the morning and you know, lack of purpose would be, yeah. you know, <laughs> a yeah. real yeah. good way of stating yeah. it, emptiness. Mm-hmm. And that was six weeks before I got out of at the end of September. And on 11.11, I was doing a TEDx talk. So I was preparing. That was the one thing I had focal point on was I was preparing for that TED talk.
0: And what was the topic?
1: So a vision came to me many years ago back when I was running uh, the tech company. I had learned about cycles uh, and I wanted to know what the business cycle was to avoid you know, or prepare for recession. And actually, it served us very, very well. Yeah. And so I started to be fascinated with historical cycles, how history repeats. And it's like, well, does it have to? Like, you know, we went, if you look at the gap between the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and World War II, it's all about 80 years apart. 80 years from there is like 2026, which would indicate that the end of the next major winter cycle would be 2026. So we're in it. You know, It's about a 20 year thing. And so I did a TED talk on that. And the intention was to educate people about the cycle and then ask a simple question, like, what if we could change it? Mm. Little did I know, while I was focused on the outer world, (laughs) because I planned that talk well before the psychosis, Yeah. while I was focused on the outer world and wanting to change the outer world, what actually occurred is I learned way more about how how to change the inner world. You know, that became my path. And once we change the inner world, the outer world just changes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, how did you get, though, from like your wife, you said, treating you like a child, making sure you take your medicine to being like, yeah, I don't think this has to be what I have to do for the rest of my life.
1: Uh, there were, uh, I, I couldn't say that there was any one in particular moment because there were, some, well, there, I guess there. maybe there was. It's a great question. Uh, so I had an out-of-body experience at the TEDx talk. And I felt embarrassment because I wanted to do so well. And I was a horrible speaker at the time, but I memorized the talk and I had an out-of-body experience on stage where I'm literally on the side of stage watching my body talk, which I had had a vision about (laughs) several months earlier. And then it happened and it was very, very odd. So I'm embarrassed. And shortly after that, I just prayed and said, God, if there's a way to heal this, show me the way. And my hand lifted off my lap, and I had a dozen books on the side of my bed. And I pulled out this book called Teresa of Avia, An Extraordinary Life. And it was a book about a 16th century mystic. And I opened up to the exact page where she's talking about some of her mystical experiences. And I started to laugh. And, and I've shared this story a few times, so I'll make it brief in case people have heard it. But the key is, my wife was there as I'm laughing. She's like, why are you laughing? And, and I said, well, if she can go through what she went through and get, you know, to be a saint, you know, I'm in pretty good shape, you know. (laughs) And if she were around today, she'd probably be locked up too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there was an element of, I knew that there was something there. It's like, you wouldn't just, I mean, think about it. Think of your city, everybody think about this. You're sitting there and your hand, without you moving it, lifts off your lap. Yeah, And like, it has a mind of its own. So there was something moving in me. There was a spirit waking up. And I think that's the true nature of Armageddon, that, that whole biblical thing. It's like, I'm not sure that it, it's necessarily just out there. I think it's, in, it's within. It's this battle of, am I good? Am I evil? Am I this? Am I that? And this, this turmoil. And upon the last judgment, the last time we hold a judgment in us, you know, in, in a, there's a process that we can go through to really heal to purify. And I think that's what was going on for me as I was purifying some of these thoughts and beliefs and the the hate and the hurt and the whatever, whatever it was. But that was probably the moment when I'm like, okay, if my hand can lift off my lap and grab a book and open to a page, there's something going on here beyond what I am cognitively aware of. Let's just start trusting this thing. But I didn't trust the people around me. Yeah. Because- There were very few people who believed that I could get well. So I kind of had to heal in secret for a while.
0: I I bet. So did you do a lot of research on the subject or did you spend more time connecting with your higher source and God to find your path or both?
1: I would say I did both, but more, more of the connecting part, you know, the teachers in us and because your path wouldn't be mine. Not that you're dealing with anything like I did, but your path wouldn't be mine. It'd be yours. And so we all have within us what I call an inner GPS system. And most people don't have it active. And so one of the things we do is we teach people tools how to activate it. Because once it's active, it's going to show you how to live your best life. It's going to lead you to healing all the things that are distorted in you. And I think anyone can heal from a mental illness.
0: You know, this the, I'm going to just touch on this a little bit because I know it's a whole nother podcast, but...
1: I'll come back.
0: <laughs> I would love that because this is a big subject for me. And I, by the way, that's a third podcast. I sold my businesses in 2019 and went on the whole journey. Like now what's my identity, who I am, but mm-hmm. uh, in a different way. But I have always... I understand labels of the, of mental health, I I get it, but I always picture these bunch of dudes sitting around not knowing how to diagnose things and going, well, we're gonna call it this, we're gonna call it that, because they don't know how to deal with people or they don't understand it. And so you might get stuck in a category and that's your identity. And that scares me and that puts limits on what people can do Versus, I do understand. If you go, okay, I have bipolar, I have schizophrenia, I'm on the autism spectrum, you don't feel alone, and it kind of gives, okay, now I understand why I'm acting this way. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. But it bothers me. Do you know what I mean? Because then I feel, at the other hand, you think, okay. This is what they say, and this is what I can expect. And you don't live up to your full expectation and what you're capable of doing.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, my uh, analogy would be, let's say that you have a deflated basketball, and and you can't go out in the driveway and bounce the basketball. You could call that something and say that it has this disorder, you know, it's a you know, basketball itis or something. Yeah. And there was no cure until they invented this pump Mm. that then fixed it, right? But let's just say that there were no pumps. It was like a one-use thing. And people forever, like, hey, basketball-itis up, they're done. And unfortunately, a lot of people have that idea. It doesn't mean that everyone holds it in the medical community, by the way. I mean, a lot of people do believe that people can get well. There's a whole integrative mental health field. We just did a big summit with 40 people. 40 practitioners and it's like they are yeah. incredible you know resources out there that do believe in the full restoration of health however
0: it's not mainstream
1: it's not and the label question that you were bringing to the forefront it it, it does give some people some sort of anchor that oh yeah. oh Comfort. good now i can now i can take this pill or now i can do whatever um, and and at least they they have compassion where the people around them realize oh it's not that you're just behaving erratically it's because yeah. you have this and so now they all anchor on that it's like well who's that serving I think it serves somebody but it doesn't <laughs> necessarily give someone a launch pad to getting healthy it puts them into yeah. now a series of protocols that a um, group of Well-meaning people probably put in place in order to keep our society put together. You know, instead of having the institutions like your mom was put in, now it's more, hey, you go in for a week or two and then you're out and it's outpatient, a lot of outpatient stuff. Gotcha. So we don't have the same storage of humanity. We have those same people dealing with the same things, but they're out in the world medicated. And there's a whole lot more of them. Yeah. And there's more coming, unfortunately.
0: Yes. I- (laughs) I do know. So I know this young man and it's crazy, but he is very, very socially an introvert, right? He's an introvert socially. And for years, that's what they thought. And then as he got older, he, the teacher's like, I don't know. I don't think it's just, you know, he's socially an introvert. Let's test him for autism. So they test him for autism and they find out he's highly functional, but but on the spectrum. Well, he was telling me, he works at a, a coffee house I go to, and he was telling me the story. He goes, you know what? My family used to be so angry with me. I mean, they didn't understand that I I was socially just very shy and I had social anxiety. They couldn't accept that. They would say, okay, you know, Bill, let's call him Billy has social anxiety. You know, whatever. get over it. You need to go and your parents should make you go to these family and you should get out and whatever. Da, 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 da. Then I get diagnosed with the autism spectrum and everybody's like, okay, and treating me nice and amazing and it's okay. And he's like, what the F? You know, like they didn't accept me for who I was before, but now I'm on the spectrum. He said, by the way, because he didn't get diagnosed, he was like, I guess 17. He goes, I'm happy. I'll take the diagnosis. Because now they think, but isn't that sad? They could accept, hey, I can't deal with these family gatherings. That's too much for me. I can only take it little. They look like he was rude, obnoxious. Your parents should cheat you better. But now... You see what I mean by the label? It's okay, you're that way.
1: Crazy. It's normal, unfortunately. And, and, and there's this thing, you know, that we, we normalize insanity and that, that behavior is insane. And because the parents, and I've been there, so, so I've, I've been this parent too, because the parents feel embarrassment. Instead of knowing how to address their embarrassment, they attack the kid.
0: Ah, gotcha! Bingo! And that's I got insane,
1: and it's right. pervasive. Right, it's everywhere. but if you say your kid has autism,
0: well, right wow, now he's it's, doing great. That's right. amazing. <laughs>
1: right, hey, he showed up. He had he had some turkeys. good. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, then then suddenly people understand. Like, no, with five kids, obviously you can't have five kids without having some issues. And, yeah. and we've had our fair one kid, sh- our fair share. But one of the things that I do whenever a parent contacts me and I get contacted by parents who have kids who are struggling with something, Mm -hmm. the number one thing to do is start to work with the parents to cancel their goals for whatever expectations they're currently holding because that anchors an energy that the child's fighting against. And so if the parent can actually drop what they think is, quote unquote, the right way for Johnny to behave. Yeah or the right thing for, you know, this, the, you know, whatever situation they can then be more present and make better choices because what they're carrying into all those conversations, just like the embarrassment, you know, thing that we started with here, they're carrying their past. Mm. They've got to heal what's going on them and drop all the baggage that they're carrying into their other relationships. Oh, pa- parents, huge. If you can do that. Your kids have a fighting shot at healing yeah. whatever's going on in them. Yeah. But parents who aren't doing that, it it's just going to repeat a cycle, and that kid's going to grow up, and there's going to there's going to be a trauma there.
0: Yeah, you're right, and I'm so glad you're shedding again, I'm no, again. I'm not a doctor. No, I get it. I'm not a doctor. We'll we'll keep putting that in there. We'll have a little beeping thing come across. <laughs> but I I do think that's huge, huge. And I'm loving that you're doing that. All right. I'm looking at the time. We're no way going to get in all the questions I want to get in. But I do want to hit these two. The biggest thing is the essence of being pure love. I always say to people, your body, your brain, your essence is love, peace, and joy. You actually have to work harder not to be there. And so when you say the essence of being is pure love, forgetting that it is at the root of every mental illness. I want to to really dive into that with you.
1: Yeah, so think of uh, a newborn child, you know, or uh, if you're not into kids, uh, a a kitten or a puppy, right? And imagine holding that kitten or that puppy or or being in a beautiful scene of nature or holding that child, looking into that child's eyes. What attributes would you say that that life form exhibits?
0: Ah, gotcha.
1: It's pure love. Yeah. Yeah. It's the joy. It's the things that you said. Yeah. And unfortunately, by the time most kids are four years old, we train them to be something other than what they are. Because when the kid comes in and says, hey, you know, mommy, you know, that guy's really fat. And the mom says, well, you can't say that. You know, that's rude. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, I can't say what's true. You know, so now I have to learn when to lie and when to tell the truth. And they start to, and that's just a tiny little yeah. simple example, but uh, it's, it's, you don't talk back to your parents. It's, it's all these rules, right? It's like, oh, okay, I got to remember that rule. Oh, and you can't be angry with parents either. And you can't be sad, at least not for too long. Yeah. And so you got to remember, you know, like navigate all these rules. It's like, well, wait, now I've become something in order to get love. And so not that that was the intention, but the parents got trained and their yep. parents got trained and society trains. it's like, so the unlearning of all that bullshit, excuse my language, allows for people to start to remember or reconnect with what's true. And we're not talking about what's true in a science book. We're talking about what's true of life, what's what's true of, of the essence of our being. And in that, what, Always happens. Intuition comes online. Gifts that had been suppressed start to come out in new ways. I mean, there's there's so much life that starts to come. Right. I mean, just. I mean, if you took a um, if you took a plant and planted it into a, a garden and then blocked it from the sun, it's it's not going to fare very well. Well, you take the box off and allow for the sun and the water and the nutrients mm. to come, it's going to start to grow. It's going to start to show its gifts, like flower and fruit or whatever it's going to do. Well, humanity, we're all latently born with that essence of love as the core beingness. And some of us were abused and protected it so that it couldn't get abused again, right? Yeah. But by by putting that protection in as a child that person who is doing something really smart probably to save themselves from feeling the pain that they didn't want to feel as an adult walks around blocking love from relationship you know with themselves and possibly with others so there's all these things can be rooted from the forgetting the truth yeah and yeah. that is you and all of your listeners and everyone on this planet no matter what they've done At the core of that person is pure love. Mm. They may look like really nasty, dastardly people and be doing things that are way off target. The only way a person can do anything hurtful and harmful to another is because they lost connection with what's true. Because if they knew it was true, they'd also see that the other is in pure love and they would make choices from that place. Now, someone who's being attacked, they're going to have, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole, but we won't. There's just this core, let's all remember who we truly are, and we'll stop all of the dynamics that keep us cycling around mm. this negative and destructive behavior.
0: So I'm seeing your connection with your spiritual path and all that you went through. And I hope you you see, I'm sure you do, as a oh, yeah. blessing.
1: Huge blessing.
0: Huge blessing. Because if you didn't go through that, there's no way you could give this to the world they'd be like how how the heck you know you don't know what I went through and you can say yeah I do what a gift
1: well and 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 what has a it is so first off you're right on and it's I would say I always had the sense like this was going to be used for something good and thank you mom and dad for instilling that in me because you know it's it's really core to my personality it's like okay what's good in this yeah what's good in whether it's a person or whatever it is the the opportunity has been such that i was i was on the phone with someone last night she was sobbing 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 her anxiety was at a 10 Mm. she felt abandoned um and she's she's in i think she's in her late 70s and i was able to be present while she went through what she was going through and within four, five, six minutes, she went from a 10 to a zero in terms of her anxiety. She was laughing. She was happy. She's like, oh my gosh, every time I call you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but what is that? What's happening there? When someone, and you know this, when you're with someone who's really connected, right? Mm. And they're in their optimal being. We have a program called Optimal Being. When they're in their optimal being state or, you know, and Jesus taught us this, you know, lots of past, Teachers have taught us this, like there's there's something about like, hey, within us, there's this connection to that life source, and it exists in you. And when we allow for that to come up, when someone's really, truly living in that space, anyone who comes just within a thought of that person is going to start to feel a little bit better. But in their presence... You can walk into a room where someone's like that, and you can feel it. You can sense it. And the opposite's true too. Someone's kind of a dastardly, nasty person, or having a bad day. Not that they're a nasty person, but they're having a bad day, yeah. or they're, yeah. they're behaving yeah. poorly. Yeah. And they walk into a room where there's a lot of joy. If that energy is stronger than the joy, it can suck the energy right out of the room. Yeah. People are like, "Oh shit, you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be near this person. <laughs> like, maybe we should go Absolutely. to a different party."
0: As, and also, the other is true. If you're in a really bad space, you don't want a pippy-sippy, joyful person. <laughs> you're, you're like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't need to be around you right now because they can't handle it. So.
1: Right, exactly. And, and, but you don't need to be. Like with the woman last night, I didn't say a word for those four or five minutes. I just breathed, and yeah. I allowed her to speak, and but I held her accountable to what was true. Yeah. Because she yeah. went off into this pity party and I'm like, nope, you, you're not going yeah. there. That's not that's not true. What you just said isn't true and challenged it. And then that popped her out. She's like, you're right. It's not yeah. true. Like, what about what about, you know, and, and then remind the person there's a, a great story, which I've got to find the, the a way to to s- share this with people, uh, but uh, so that you can go see it. But there's a story about an ancient culture where they would sing a song. Have you heard that? To every newborn child? No. So the, the, I think it was the women would gather around the child and they would sing the child's song. And they would sing it to the child as the child's growing up. And so when they got to their teen and years and they started to you know get rowdy or, or do something that was, that was against the tribe or, or not aligned, right? Instead of punching, they would sing the song. Wow. They would help them remember their true nature.
0: Ooh, I love that. And it's like <laughs> I always say you're holding the space for others when they can't. Like I just hold them in the space. Yeah. Yeah, hold that's them it. in the space. Yeah.
1: That's it. My wife told me not to say holding space because she's like, no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad so I'm glad you said it.
0: <laughs> I always my friends get me and they're like what are you doing? Like, th- I'll, like my friend right before this, I'm like, yo, blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, I go, okay, I'm sending you. She's like, you get to hold space for ease and flow. I go, yes, I am. It's coming at you.
1: Well, I so. don't think people understand that that's actually a, a, a metaphysically, it's a real thing. Like, so if you're holding space and someone's going through something and you're breathing, you're actually allowing that energy movement where they might be holding their breath. And so I always remind people when we're doing work, it's like, hey, remember to breathe. That's really yeah. all you got. If you breathe and allow your feelings to come up and allow what's going to come up to come up, your memories and everything, and not, not restrict, you're going to heal really quickly.
0: You know, I want that study. <laughs> There's so many things I, I try to find studies for because I'm like, I just know these things innately, but then I have a study and I think it really gives it more power when I can show people who doubt.
1: Yeah, it's there. There's the yeah. <laughs> we need a book of the studies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, wait a minute. This is. It. You know, I know
0: it innately. I know it for my life. But here's the they studied the brain, and this is energy just travel. Whatever. My husband is so funny, and I love him, and he loves me. He's like, just go do you. But it's funny because people look at us together and he's like okay energy it travels thoughts (laughs) like he's like he has no idea what i'm talking about but he'll always say you go do you yet he has a strong faith in god so it's but it's funny because i write books on this mark and he's like what do you mean you can feel the energy there's no energy (laughs) it's
1: i'm like yeah and the and and the cool thing is is he doesn't have to yeah because you do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does he have to do it for? You could do it.
0: Uh, he's like, "What do you mean you could? You could feel my energy upstairs. I could tell something went wrong." He's like, "Oh my god, whatever." But yet, supports me. If that you know, which I even like. Yeah. I go, I love the fact that you don't get me, but you still support me. So.
1: Well, and I'll tell you what. I, I here's here's a quick close up of the opening loop of the conversation about my wife, where she was treating me like a child early on. You know when that changed? When I changed. Mm. It was when I got to a place where I could trust myself Mm. and where I could say, hey, you don't need to do that anymore. I I got this. Yeah. And and then- Huge. After I did that for a little bit, it took her a little bit to believe me. And then that relationship started to flourish again. Because a lot of relationships that go through what we went through do not end well. No, oh, no uh suicide divorce you know yep. there's there's a lot yep. of ugliness in um a lot of bipolar relationships and and thankfully you know we went a different route fully yeah. healthy and relationships healthy and and I know. it took time ta- it took time
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: but it was worth it and you're yeah. right what a blessing
0: yeah what a blessing all right i want to make sure we get this in here because this is huge and then i want to talk a little about about your book really quick but okay I love the fact that five in five is more likely the case for mental illness.
1: So I attribute that phrase, by the way, to my good friends at an organization called Same Here Global. We have a nonprofit called Journey's Dream. It's journeysdream.org. But um, Same Here Global, I was talking to them and they're like, you know, the issue with this whole one in five, because if you look at the NAMI stats, the National Association of Mental Illness... They say that one yeah. one in five is is struggling with a mental health issue. Globally, it's one of, one in four will be diagnosed in their lifetime with a mental or neurological health disorder. The numbers might be higher now, but the um, the issue is it creates division. It creates camps. It says, "Okay, well, you guys are the not normal people, and and therefore we're all we're all good." Yeah. You know, so let's do whatever we can to protect ourselves from these not normal people because they could go crazy and, and hurt and hurt and hurt us. And, and that is so wrong. And it's not even um, remotely true. And what is true and what they uh, pointed out to me at Same Here Global is that, you no, know, it's a five in five thing. Everyone is on the continuum of health. So you could be thriving today and then you find out that, you know, your greatest, whoever, you know, passed, and suddenly you're feeling, you know, less, less yeah, happy yeah, yeah. and motivated because you're dealing with that. Now, someone who has the ability to really process through that healthy um, energy that's coming up, sadness and grief or whatever is coming for a person, is going to move through that and then be back into thriving. But yeah. unfortunately, we don't teach the core skills that we could teach in kindergarten, but we don't teach these core skills about how to deal with our mind and our thoughts and emotions and, and these spiritual divides. We, we cut out a lot of that and we teach math and science and, yeah. and stuff that is quote unquote important. It's like, well, maybe that's gonna change at some point. But if we look at it like five and five, we're all in this together. And the same tools that I can use to heal from a bipolar illness you can use to thrive and attract the next podcast guest that's going to be like yeah. way beyond yeah. what i am
0: yeah don't say that wait i just caught that don't say way beyond what i am but anyhow
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't look at that it. <laughs> okay it's funny i have a i say it differently but i when whenever i have clients or kids. And I, I deal a lot, by the way, with I, I do go in schools and I teach about uh, reset the brain and train your head and body will follow because I'm a big component of everything you said, everything. I said, I don't I always don't really care about my kid's math and science score. And what about his emotional being? Let's
1: get <laughs> up going
0: here. But- I had a young lady the other day. You know, she was diagnosed with bipolar, and her husband's like, "Well, you just have to suck it up for your family," you know, the whole thing. And you know, I was like, "Yeah, you're you're scared." Yeah, and I said, "Your brain, all our brains are unique and amazing, you know, and at different times we go through different things." But please do not think you are less. And she was just crying hysterical because. You know what I mean like she just was not accepted by the family and they were like oh we always knew something was wrong with you you know and i think she oh she's in her 20s it was crazy it made me so sad you know
1: yeah it's criminal and I mean, what we've what we've done to yeah. distort and separate and divide it's um, and and it makes sense cuz there are a lot of people who are broken and divided internally yeah. it's going to show yeah. up out in the world
0: And it's fear. You know it's fear-based. I mean, it's all fear-based, you know, so.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: But people like Mark are changing the stigma and the world, and I'm so happy you're doing this. And I'm so glad that you, like you said, you have systems that you help people through this and you coach. And now you also have a book, Prisoner of War?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got, uh, there's a few books I have out. I have a kid's book called It, and I've got a business book. Um, called Awakening the Optimal Leader, another one coming out for workforces. Uh, but this one is my first kind of fictional novel, if you will. And it was so cool how it came. It was, it was just sort of this download that came back in early 2021. And it, it, it unfortunately, the more that I see things play out in society, the more I'm realizing maybe it was more of a prophecy than a, <laughs> than anything else. Cause it's, uh, it's showing that there's a mental health pandemic. The year in the book is 2032, and there are these uh, different approaches. These governments collectively come together Mm -hmm. with tech to come up with a manufactured, you know, quote-unquote solution called CARL in the book and uh, named after its founder. And what it does is it actually uh, is, is something that helps protect people from seeing and experiencing the realities that are so ugly in this mental health pandemic, which gets pretty dark. Um, uh, but then there's this character, Marcus, who, uh, Marcus. is in, is in one of their camps. It's a quote unquote healing camp. And he goes on this journey within. And so we get to, as the reader or listener, cause it's, I, I prefer the audiobook. Yeah, Um, uh, we get to go on this journey with Marcus on his path within, and it's very much going into the depths of a lot of things that, um, I would say, were very real for me as experiences. And I've had people who have been diagnosed with bipolar and other mental health issues uh, who have said, like, wow, this really gave them the freedom to go some places in their own journey of healing that they were afraid to go. But because they went through it with Marcus and it was so gentle, you know, they had the courage and they started healing some deeper stuff that, you know, had been blocked from them prior to. So- even if it's just those few people who read it, it's like, okay, well, who knows? So that book is out. It's under a pseudonym, but I'm going to change that. It's under the pseudonym John Aconda. And I was just um, praying about it and realized that, you know, I was doing that because I was uncomfortable. I didn't want people to perceive um, my business dealings with my mental health. And now gotcha. I've gotten to a place where it's like, no, I'm going to put it under my name and I am who I am. So yeah. you accept it or you don't. It's up to you.
0: I think it's gonna be really accepted.
1: Thank you, Thank I really No,
0: I really do because even from the client that I see and a lot of them have had a lot of business success, a lot. When you talk to them, so many, and they're, and they're ashamed, which is so sad, but so many, even if it's not bipolar, are dealing, especially in the last couple of years, with anxiety and stress and depression. And yes, it, it's, and a lot of it, because I see it as identity crisis, like who am I? Where am I going? Will I ever do what I did before? What's my impact on the world? And I think more people like you who come forward, it's just going to be the bomb for so many people. It's just so cool, beans. I cannot even tell you. So I'm so happy and proud of you for doing this in the world.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'll send you, I'll send you a uh, a, a link so with a code so you can listen to the book.
0: I, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. All right, Mark, before we go, and by the way, I am not cutting any of this out because it went over, but every word was pearls of wisdom. So I'm, I feel so blessed to have you here, but we need to do a fun rapid fire. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. Favorite <laughs> but color? That's, not,
1: that's probably not the food I should eat, but
0: now, What do you uh, mean? Blue. It's called favorite food. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like.
1: <laughs> Pizza, blue.
0: All right, blue. Favorite book right now besides your own book that you could recommend?
1: Oh, you know what? I love um, The Emotion Code by Dr. Bradley Nelson. Incredible.
0: If you could be an animal, what would it be and why?
1: A dog, because uh, <laughs> it's just pure joy. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, dogs is so full of love. My wife won't let me have one. We have two cats.
0: Oh, She won't let you have a dog because of why. Because
1: because she thinks that I won't take care of it and she'll end up having to take care of it. And is she right, Mark? She's she is right and she's not a dog person, so So that's okay. I love our cats.
0: That's okay. Yeah, you got two cats. All right. What does one of your favorite days look like? What would you do from morning to night if you could do anything?
1: Oh wow. What a question. Meditate in the morning, go for a walk, and be in nature. Really have a conversation with God, essentially, and get my marching orders for the day. And once I have them, then just follow through. After the work day of doing yeah. all that, having just a, a joyful time making a meal. Grilling. We love to grill. So grilling, having a cocktail, you know, being you know, with my family. And then playing um, <laughs> uh, Clue. Or some kind of game oh. with my family. Uh, another one we really like is Catan. Although not all of us can play that at once. So that's why Clue Clue works Quilt with seven seven people. people. Yeah. yeah, and then probably at the end of the day, doing a ritual where I relax, breathe, and cancel all my goals, conscious or unconscious, and then start framing what tomorrow is going to be like.
0: Ooh, And eat pita,
1: <laughs> eat pizza. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't even eat pizza in my favorite day.
0: I know. That's but now that sounds like a great day. All right. When I say the word universe to you, what does universe mean to you?
1: A collective, uh, unified, whole. There's a certain level of of joy that comes with the acceptance. You know that the universe that we're in is is really where we are, but it's only a small part of our journey.
0: I like that. All right, Mark, this has been such a pleasure. My let's keep it real people. I know, I know you're going to want to share it. There's going to be so many people that will be empowered and inspired and given hope. We appreciate when you rate and like, but Mark, how can they find you?
1: So uh, probably the easiest way, because I have multiple sites, but markhaddis.com, H-A-T-T-A-S.com will get you to kind of a central hub. JourneysDream.org is our um, resource hub for mental health and uh, lots of great stuff out there. And then we have a program called optimal bean mm. and it's optimal uh That's actually geared more toward corporate. The individual program can be found there as well, but you can also find it through journey's dream. And through those avenues, you can find me the projects, programs, books, you know, pretty much everything that, uh, that you'd want. You can certainly reach out to me uh, market journeys, dream, uh, org would be a way if you wanted to directly connect with me uh, mm. or explore anything that uh, you're excited about exploring with me.
0: I love it. Mark, thank you so much for being on my show. I love thank it.
1: Thank you, Sandy.
0: Yeah, this has really been a, a blessing, not just for my listeners, but for me. Okay, my let's keep it real people. You know what I'm going to say. Until next time, toodles.
1: Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.